Welcome back to the True Blue Riftcast. I am Jeremy, and I am joined, as always, by... Your favorite guy named Dave, also known as Sugar Ray Dodge. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, you know what? Hang on. I'm going to go get some chili. Ah, yes. Mid-conversation chili. Mid-conversation chili. Oh, jeez. All right. Well, I blew that bit. <laughs> <laughs> if If you're wondering what we're talking about, stay tuned. Does anything ever become clear on True Blue Riffcast? No, we oh, we have yeah. lots of incoherent and unfinished thoughts. Yes, um, we're it's not really part gonna... of who we are. Yes. <laughs> hey, like it or leave it, right? Yep. Uh, we're not really going to get into headlines um, this week because we have a lot to talk about with our two movies. Uh, I will do the box office uh, draw because it's just something I like doing, and it's quick. Uh, number one movie, once again, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, a close second is the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which I really want to go see. I loved that kid or that book when I was a kid. And uh, never even heard of that movie. I guess I'm not. A, I guess I don't pay attention to things because I've never even heard of that. <laughs> uh, third place is The Lion King. Fourth place, Dora and the Lost City of Gold. My God. And then uh, number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I finally got around to reading the synopsis for that movie and uh, takes an interesting twist about halfway through it. But uh-huh. I, I don't I don't want to spoil it because I don't like spoiling things. But, uh, yeah, there's our top five. Okay. In, in, in light of those top five, I'm assuming that some people here go to watch the movies in the theater. After listening to that, what the hell is wrong with you people? I mean, it, what? <laughs> like, D- Dora is number three? I mean, there, that, wait, is there nothing else going on in the movies this summer? <laughs> well, a lot of people that didn't even, none of them really made a lot of money this weekend either. Like, oh, wow. the fifth place movie only got $11 million over the weekend. So. Oh, jeez. And the number one was 25, just over $25 million. Did Hollywood be a like, eh, screw this summer. Well, everybody already spent their money on Endgame. So. Endgame, yeah. And everyone's watching it on DVD while it's still in first-run theaters. Yes, which is amazing. Um, that's actually in 19th place right now. Made $197,000. Well, <laughs> you, you can watch it at home now, and it's still made $197,000. That's amazing. Like, yeah. That's... uh. That's ridiculous to me because at this point, who hasn't seen it in the theater? Who's going to watch it? Yeah. Yeah. At this point. Yeah. That's dumb. If you like, if you're going to go to see Avengers Endgame, if you haven't seen it yet, oh, I'm going to go see it in at first run. The- it is still in first run theaters here in August, whatever the hell day you're listening to this on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could be like, oh, well, and you're like the only one in the theater because everybody's at home in the comfort of their own home listening to the D. DVD commentary track. Yeah, it's it's in its sixteenth week. That's amazing. In theaters, so four months this movie has been in theaters. That's that's crazy to me. Well, I think The Dark Knight was like that too. Yeah, it's very rare where that actually happens anymore. So enough of that. Let's get right into our VODs for this week. Uh, if you recall. Both of these were voted on uh, a week ago for our listener poll, and they ended up being tied. So we decided since 
The only new release this week was the Star Raiders VOD, which we have already covered. Um, Extensively. That we would just talk about both of them this week. So our first movie is Miami Connection. Woo! Against Ninja! Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, one, Jeremy, yes, sir. are you pro or against Ninja? I am against the Ninja, obviously. You know, I'm... I, I am going to I'm going to take a, the, the contrarian stance. Can you me being a contrarian? Can you can you imagine? No. Um, I'm gonna I'm going to be pro ninja. I am for the ninja. Of course you are. Yes, that's right. This originally broadcast October first, two thousand fifteen, as part of the crappening, uh, the season that brought us the room, Sharknado two, of course, Miami Connection and the redone version of Santa and the Ice Cream Bunny. Miami Connection yeah. had a short beforehand, uh, and this one was this was a pretty good one. It made quite an impact. Oh, yeah. Very yes. few shorts these days do that, make as big. I mean, they, I mean, they all have an impact. Yeah. But make, like, this big of a, I guess, a splash, I guess you could say. It got noticed. It drew people's attention. Yes, uh, and there's a couple of very good reasons for that. Yeah. We're talking yeah. about Measuring Man. Measuring Man. Yes, and his uh, utility belt full of of wonders, cups and and rulers and a big sparkly I, uh, thing I, that looks like an adult sex toy. It's a okay. And, look, okay, look, look, look. Okay, let's just let's just let's just jump right. I mean, there, 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 there's no nice way to say this. It's a sparkly dildo. That, it is. That's what it is. It's it's uh, modeled after Edward from Twilight, and uh, <laughs> yeah, oh uh, Measuring Man is a story about uh, a little boy who has no idea about any units of measure whatsoever, and he's like twelve ish. So perfect example of the American education system, uh, but. His milkman has a secret where he is measuring man. And yeah. he pops back in and he warps the boy off to measuring land. And he measures him up against apples and baseball bats and an elephant and a bunny. <laughs> and then he materializes ice cream out of nowhere. And he keeps talking about his units. It's disturbing. Yeah. Oh, hi, Kitty. Sorry, I have a cat here. It's it's weird because Measuring Man is this is this a middle aged guy um, with Clark Kent glasses, um, with MM in a uh, weirdo pseudo Superman symbol on his chest. So he's he's clearly modeled after George Reeves as Superman. Yeah, because that's what was cool in the fifties. Yeah. Um. But even in the 50s, uh, he has his utility belt, right? <laughs> Superman did not have a utility belt, okay? Batman has a utility belt. Yeah, Get come on, right. guys. Get it right, measuring man, you idiot. But the assortment of, and this is probably going to dominate, you know, the substance of the conversation here because it's just so very difficult to not notice. It's just like all the things that Measuring Man has that's got that have nothing to do with measuring. I think he has like a ruler. Uh, he, he has a bedazzled ruler for some reason. 
But the one, and he has handcuffs, obviously, like like you said, and and other various things. And I think he has a clock in the middle of it for some stupid reason. Measuring time, um, right? Yeah, that counts. I think I, he has a whisk. I suppose, as we said before, the one thing that is just right there the whole time is this bedazzled dildo, <laughs> and it's impossible to ignore. Yeah. Oh, and they they definitely pointed out a couple times. Uh, because how could you not? Yeah, it's. I mean, you don't want to go. I mean, uh, come on. Would you want to go there? No. No, no way. No. It's not, It's just. But it's just like, hey, look at me. I'm uh, like, I'm measuring man, and I have this phallic device hanging off my belt. <laughs> come on, kid. Let's learn how to let's, measure, you idiot. Let's let's go to my secret world where it's just yeah. the two of us and. and I'll, I'll show you my my thermometer. It's like I have some bunnies here. You want to come see my bunnies? <laughs> so I tell what, me about the rabbits. The, yeah, tell me about the rabbits, George. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that you need to watch. Um, they did release it separately. You can uh, you can't get it just the short from the live show, mm-hmm. uh, but there there's no need to because. Uh, you really should have the whole Miami connection experience uh, because this movie is something else. Yeah. Uh, Miami connection was an independent movie uh, starring YK Kim grandmaster YK Kim who wrote and produced it. <laughs> you can and, tell. Yeah. Uh, along with all of the students from his uh, dojo, they were all the actors and, and uh even yeah. the guys with the full beards i do believe so and they're all yelling their lines because <laughs> they had a lot of uh a lot of students at the mm-hmm. time and yeah there, there's some really interesting things about this movie that don't really have you know they're not in the movie itself uh but just the whole the whole story behind what happened to this movie after it was released and after it was made, um, let's talk about that because I think everybody's seen Miami Connection and kind of yeah. like knows like all the all the weirdness that 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 goes on. Yeah, because either they've seen it or they you know with the riff or they've seen it unriffed, and that's that's kind of a, a part of this story. The movie was made in 1987. Uh, Y.K. Kim, Grandmaster Y.K. Kim. Uh, he basically fronted all the money for it. Uh-huh. He could not get uh, a distribution company to pick it up. No. Because, because he had no idea what he was doing when it came to making a movie. But it's like someone else we know. Yeah. He borrowed from friends. He took out loans, all of his savings. He mortgaged his taekwondo mm. school. And Dude. he ended up... Dude, no. It <laughs> almost bankrupted him completely. Oh, uh, dude. He ended up uh, getting it purchased by a small distribution company for $100,000. Um, and as he was shipping it around, everybody was literally telling him, don't waste your time, just throw it away. It's trash. Okay. In their defense, they were not wrong. They were not wrong. <laughs> Uh, so the movie was released in eight theaters in Orlando in 1988. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude, my it, uh, heart. It opened in West Germany also. That, but, oh, West Germany. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Here we are with had, West Germany. I think we've had this conversation before. Yes. Uh, thank you, Wikipedia. The Orlando Sentinel said that it was the worst film of 1988. It obviously had poor critical reception. It was in theaters for a total of three weeks. The movie cost him about a million dollars. And like I said, he was almost completely bankrupted. And, and uh, the movie kind of dis- disappeared after that. There was, was no, like no way to watch it. Yeah. He said that uh, a period of several years before 2012, people were contacting him to do interviews about it, but he kind of ignored it. Um, and then one of the people who works for the Alamo Draft House in Austin, Texas, found the movie on eBay. He bid on it and he won it. He screened the film. Uh, they got a positive reaction from the crowd and uh, they reached out to uh, YK Kim to try and get permission to re release the film. And he thought it was a joke at first. He didn't want to have anything to do with it. He's like, ah, oh, these people are messing with me. Yeah. I and then he finally, he finally talked to them and he's like, okay, let's, let's re I was wondering why they want to distribute this movie that the public had rejected and Hollywood treated like trash 20 years ago as a quote from YK Kim, but they ended up getting the, uh, the rights to re-release it. And now when was this? This was in 2009 Okay, was when he found the movie. And then, uh, I believe it came out again in, uh, 2012 or somewhere around there. Yeah. Might have been a couple years before that, I guess. So I can't really find a date for it. But um, it got re-released, and it kind of got that cult following. I actually watched it about a year before they announced they were doing it for Rift Tracks. Mm-hmm. And so I knew exactly what to expect. But um, the film has been called So Bad It's Essential. Mm-hmm. Um, David Schmader of The Stranger wrote that to say Miami Connection is bad is a crushing understatement. Ooh. Miami Connection is so bad it makes the room look like wild strawberries. And that out of this tragic mess of failure and incompetence, a distinctly sweet spirit emerges. Its source is the cumulative uh, – cumul- oh, my gosh, I can't say that word. Cumulative. Yes, what he said. Uh, it's it's the good sportsmanship of everyone involved in Miami Connection, and it's drenched in a goofy joy that is contagious. We talk all the time about the movie's character. Yep. And or this my, movie, my favorite word, charm. Charm, yes. This movie has that in spades. Like, you can tell that they were all trying their hardest. Like, they, they brought everything they had to this movie. And it it comes through. It's not a good movie, but it comes through while you're watching it. Uh, Y.K. Kim was actually in one of the theaters in Orlando to watch the Rift Tracks live broadcast of it. Was he? Yeah, and he was wow. he was signing autographs for people, and uh, he appreciated that they were bringing it uh, back to movie screens, even though they were making fun of it. He appreciated that they were that they were putting it out, and it would bring joy to people to watch it. 
Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh. Uh, but Maybe. there's yeah, and there's one other thing that uh, we discovered, <laughs> and I I had to watch this clip again because I had forgotten how dark it was, but all of the characters in this movie are orphans. Well, all the main characters <laughs> are orphans. They all live together. Uh, and that's actually where one of my favorite riff comes in when they announce that they all live together. And Kevin goes on uh, a version of friends for eternity. Uh, let's see. He has friends for eternity, sharing utilities, picking the pubic hair off the soap. <laughs> you know what happens. And, uh, that's why in the army, in the army, we use, we all took our own soap. You don't you don't use the community. We don't have community soap in the army. You know why? Just that reason. Like that. Because yeah. I'm not gonna put I'm not gonna put something that touched somebody else's balls on my skin. Not gonna happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, but one of the characters, his name is Jim. He gets a letter in the movie. That states that they found his father. Oh, my God. That's almost exactly how he sounds when he reads it. So they're fighting the uh, drug-dealing biker ninjas towards the end of the movie. God. And Jim gets hurt pretty bad. So after the fight, uh, they are driving him to the hospital. And in the, in the final cut of the movie, he gets to the hospital. His dad shows up. Blah, blah, blah. In this other scene, the original version of the scene, Jim dies on the way to the hospital. And they stop. They stop the car. And while they're mourning that he has passed, an airplane flies overhead. And one of the guys says, oh, man, Jim's father is on that plane. And then it shows the plane starting to land. Oh, man, it's so dark. And you can see why they cut it from the from the the final version of the film, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's not it's not good. It's dark. But the the movie itself, you know, we got a couple good good songs from Dragon Sound, the band that all the Orpans uh, made together. We have uh, Friends, and then we have Against the Ninja. Which yep. Dave likes to belt out from time to time. Against Ninja. Much like, like that. that. And, uh, you know, they actually released uh, the song. I think it was one of the digital goodies you got with the Miami Connection show was the full MP3 of Friends. And that, Friends. Immediately, that immediately went into my uh, regular rotation playlist, like the one that I just listen to all the time. Mm-hmm. That song is still in there. And I still listen to it. My five-year-old sings along with it now in the car, which is just great to me. Can't believe it's been four years since that was the Riff Tracks live selection. Because that came out the same summer as, I mean, dude, 2015 was just such an awesome year for Riff Tracks. I mean, look at the look at the live shows, but you also look at stuff that came out that year, like Roller Gator and Julie and Jack and like, <laughs> you know, Death Promise. And it's like, it was just such a fantastic, great fun year for riff tracks and Miami connection was a big, big part of that. There were definitely a couple good, um, martial arts movies that year. Oh, also your favorite. I just reminded me your favorite. No retreat, no no surrender. surrender. 
actually came out like a week or two different from the uh, Nerd Street No Surrender came out October 16th, 2015. So right after the live show of Miami Connection and uh, Death Promise came out the week before the live show for Miami Connection. So it, they were all right in the, in close proximity with each other. If we ever get Eric Peterson on the show, Eric Peterson of Rift Tracks, um, if we ever get him on the show, we need to have him tell the story about how he basically influenced Mike Nelson to do Miami Connection. Like he actually, because the story goes, and Eric, if I'm getting this wrong, come on to the show and tell the real version of it. Basically, like he bought, like he was a big fan of it and he bought it. And I think he like bought a copy of it for Mike and he sent it to Mike. And like, I guess a couple of weeks went by and he asked Mike about like, hey, did you watch my Epic Connection? And he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, so are we going to do it? He's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to just do it. We're going to do it as one of the live shows. Nice. Yeah. So that, um, that's a version of a story he told me four years ago. <laughs> Um, so if I'm getting it wrong, I'm not perfect, but I think that's essentially it. Sounds like a pretty good, uh, pretty good way to find that movie. Mm -hmm. But Miami connection is, is definitely one of my favorite live shows. They did do a studio version of the movie, which is okay. I mean, you know, I bought it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you buy everything, every, yeah. every VOD that comes out like that day, you're just like mine. Um, but you know, I guess. I guess it, it's a thing that exists if you, you know, want to save a couple dollars when you buy it. Cause it is a little bit cheaper than the live show. Um, but me, I always prefer the live show versions just because I love the, the energy and the mistakes and, you know, just the whole crowd reacting to everything. Yeah. It just, it makes me feel more like, you know, I'm watching it with other people. You know what? And like I, I was watching Star Raiders because the, the Star Raiders VOD of the live show came out this past on August 9th, two days ago. Um, and I was watching it and I noticed that they had the uh, and they do this sometimes with the live shows is that they it's that they have the audience reaction turned down. Like, no, 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 <laughs> guys, like leave, leave the audience in. I'm just I'm trying to remember. I think that one, the audience was quieter anyway during the broadcast. Really? Yeah. Like, I don't think it was something that was done post. Oh, okay. I think it just how, that's just how it was. Ah, uh, but, uh, but no, yeah. But yeah, leave the audience in because that's part of the whole atmosphere. And it's, it's great. I love it. It's, it's, um, you know, why I can watch things like, um, Manos and, um, and, uh, Jack the Giant Kill or just, over and over endlessly because like i just i just love hearing the reaction at the, at the bell court and i know i've said so many times that seeing riff tracks live live at the bell court seeing riff tracks live live so there's a double live there yes but um it it wrecked it for me going to see it in the theaters because every time it comes up i've told the story so many times but i see that it come up on the screen and i see the bell court and i've been there and it's like i get angry it's like mm. <clears throat> I should be there. <laughs> yeah. It's like, that's a real place now for me. You know, it's like, Ooh, you know, it's like, I, I should be there, but I'm not. And I'm here sitting here 
in Ogden, like a chump. What is wrong? Yeah. I get so poor, mad. But um, poor, poor Dave got to go to a live show once. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, but uh, speaking of live shows, um, Rift Tracks Live, Giant Spider Invasion. Yes, is, this uh, week. Is this week. August 15th, uh, the replay on the 20th. And uh, I just want to say a big thank you to whoever it was that jumped on the uh, <laughs> Rift Tracks. I knew you were going to bring this up. The, the Rift Tracks Twitter account. See, as I've mentioned before, I've been dragging uh, my local theater chain quite a bit on Twitter since April, since they screwed everything up for the live shows. And uh, for whatever reason, they are, didn't show any of them in the area, except for the replay of Octoman, which they they decided to add to their schedule the day before. So, of course, only like 12 people showed up because nobody knew about it. But yep. that's that's something else entirely. Anyway, um, the person running their social media account decided to get a little sarcastic with me the other day uh, after my really terrible week that I had. And uh, I was not having it. And apparently whoever jumped on the Rift Tracks uh, Twitter account was not having it either because they said that uh, we always carry the Rift Tracks stuff. So if it's not there, uh, then it must be something that Fathom or Rift Tracks did. No, and no. I'm like, no. I'm like, no, no. I've been in contact with both companies and they've both told me that it is your fault. <laughs> not theirs. It's your, well, your theater's fault. And uh, then the the Rift Tracks employee jumped in and basically backed me up on that. And it was, it was quite a good feeling. So whoever that was, thank you very much. We have a pretty good idea of who it was, but we're not going to say who we think it is. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's leave the, uh, the Rift Tracks live behind us now with one final, if you haven't watched Rift Tracks live Miami connection, please do yourself a favor and, enjoy it yeah check it out it's uh it's a cornerstone <laughs> welcome back from the edit <laughs> now we're going to move on to one of my very 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 favorite riff tracks releases of all time ghost Same. house so raise a glass and toast the ghost house all ye let's drink up the something something and then i could just go on but to the ghost house. Yes, to the ghost house. Woo! Wait, hold on. I got to go get some chili. I'm going to go get some chili. Hang on. Can, okay. Can, can Bring you, me some. Can, can, can you stop the podcast for a minute or just like put it on hold while I go and get some nope. chili and come nope. back? Let's go get your chili. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm back. Yes. Uh, but ghost house is, is another very interesting story. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the the plot of the movie. Um, which is quite interesting. Is, yes, it is quite interesting. But the the backstory behind this, to me, is a little more interesting. Uh, so this movie was one of those uh, Italian horror films. Oh, uh, that, yeah. Yep, that is. That was written by Italians for Americans, written in English. And shot in America, yet yeah. somehow it looks like it doesn't. It doesn't look like it was shot in America at all. No. 
Um, they, it's written in English. The most of the actors are American. <laughs> most. Right? You, you could tell that, like, but, 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 but you would think that they're aliens, like reading like English words. Yeah. Uh, it's just it, and the sound. It's they dub it again for no reason. And the dub is just like slightly. You can tell that it's not the same track that they <laughs> that they recorded with. I'll never understand why they do this. And it, it, it makes it look like a foreign. It it makes a it makes a movie that was shot in English, completely in English. Yep. Makes it look like a foreign language film that was dubbed into English. Yeah, it's really bizarre, and they do it a lot. Like yeah. basically all of these Italian horror movies that we get uh like the last shark yeah the last shark rats uh what is it uh 1990 bronx warrior yep and and this one uh ghost house and it's just it's just bizarre i don't understand it but this this can i just say can i just say i have probably seen ghost house not even kidding no exaggeration here whatsoever about 50 billion times (laughs) The first time I watched Coe's house, um, I was at work. <laughs> I was I was on my break, and I, I pulled out my phone, and I just decided, you know what? I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to start watching Ghost House. And within the first couple minutes, I was in love with this movie. Like, the whole the whole first kill with the guy, the old, the old man dad, and the hatchet to the head of the dummy is... I love it so much. It made me laugh so hard. But this movie was released as a part of a series called uh, called the La Casa series, which is translated to The House. Now, the first two movies... Is that like The Room? uh, I hope not. The, (laughs) The first two movies in this series were The Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. So then they decided when they made Ghost House that they would change the title of the film to be La Casa 3 and put it as an as a sequel to the Evil Dead movies. Mm-hmm. Which it, it's most definitely not. <laughs> but they they continued this trend for four more movies. They had La Casa 4, 5, 6 and 7. Now, La Casa 4 is, Dave? Is Witchery. Starring? Witchery, starring David Hasselhoff and Catherine Hickland. The fifth movie in the La Casa series is a film called Beyond Darkness, which uh, is... I can't find that one. And then the last two movies were House 2, the second story, and The Horror Show, which was also branded as House 3. So... It's a very weird it's series like Rambo. of films. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's First Blood, First Blood Two, Rambo Three, uh, Rambo, and then Last Blood. But but those were at least you know related to each other. Yeah. So Ghost House. Uh, this is a movie about. Well, most importantly, it's about Jim Dalen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's got his camper out front, and he's there with his brother. And his girlfriend, and also his sister Tina is there. Uh, but, of course, none of them are the main characters. Uh, I'm Jim Dalen. Yes. 
I, I always get a chuckle when Jim Dalen is brought up. And they still do that every once in a while in a riff. Yep. They'll bring up good old Jim Dalen. I will, I will cheer when they do that. But uh, the movie is really about Paul and Martha. Paul is a ham radio operator <laughs> in uh, Boston. And one of the first things that we hear from him is asking, who's more popular in Denver? Kim Bassinger or Kelly LeBrock? And we never find out. No, we never find out. So right now, from the time that, that this podcast has gone live, uh, up through, we'll, we'll give it three days, we're going to be running a poll on Twitter, at TV Riffcast, uh, to find out who is more popular in Denver, Kim Bassinger or Kelly LeBrock. And anybody can, and anybody can, uh, uh, can vote in it. It's not just up to the people in Denver because we're telling them who's more popular in their city. They don't yes. get to choose. We get to choose. We get to choose. Damn yeah, it. that's what this is. But Paul hears a weird message on uh, his ham radio, and uh, it's it's actually Jim Dalen. Jim Dalen dying horribly. Yes. He, and, he, and he's getting by horribly. His throat we don't. Slit. We we don't mean the manner in which he dies. We mean the manner in which he acted out his death. <laughs> he he gets his throat slit by an electric fan blade that, with no motor. Yeah, and it's not plugged in. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> can't even. It's so ridiculous this whole thing, and. <laughs> Of course, there's a uh, a demonic clown toy. Oh right, yeah. And a little girl holding it, and they're the ones causing all of this ruckus. And there's actually a a good reason for why this is happening. Uh, really? Her, well, I mean, if you think about it, because her dad was he worked at the uh, the mortuary. Uh huh. And he would take stuff from the deceased that they were supposed to be buried with. And one of these items that he took was this clown doll that was supposed to be buried with a little girl, and he gives it to his own daughter. What a freak. <laughs> and that possesses the daughter. The very first thing that she does at, at the start of this movie is she murders the cat. And <laughs> I'm not entirely certain that that was not a real cat. <laughs> that, yeah. Some of the things in this movie... Uh, Dude, but the riff on that that cat. I, I know we usually don't like quote riffs, but um, from Mike, Kevin, and Bill, I think it was uh, uh, the dad says to her, "He's like, you've killed one of God's innocent creatures." And then Mike goes, "No, it was a cat." Yes. And you know what? I have cats. I like cats, but cats are animals. Like. Yep. I have. Well, I have. Uh, I used to have two cats, but one of them very selfishly died. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm still, I'm still holding a grudge on that one six months later. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great and highly quotable riffs in this film. But there's a scene towards the end where um, a being shows up with a mask on, which is <laughs> terrible. And it's great because you can see whoever's wearing it. You can see their eyes through the eye sockets of this skull mask. But it is covered in maggots. Yeah. And those that, are most definitely real maggots. Like, mm -hmm. they're not, it's not an effect. It's, they literally poured maggots all over this mask. It's, it's 
disturbing to say the least. Yeah, it's um, there's a lot about this movie we could go on and on and on about, but I think like the, the the one thing like my big like my favorite character, my favorite, I mean <laughs> even more than Jim Dalen. I know who my you're gonna say. Favorite character is Pepe. Ah, uh, no. What, what do you mean? No, you don't like Pepe? No, I am. I've never happier when I'm watching a movie than when a character that I can't stand gets killed. <laughs> and so when we find dead Pepe, oh, I'm so happy. Well, who did you think I was going to say? No, I knew that's who you were going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, I thought you would be like, oh, I, I wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about the evil murdering uh, janitor. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. it's like, okay, what's his motivation to kill? No, he's just a psycho. He, yeah, he was just not. Hey, he was bound to go off his rocker eventually. They even said it in the movie. <laughs> yes, they did. Yeah, they make it a yeah. point. He smashes uh, dude's head in with a hammer and stuffs him into a coffin. Yep. And uh, stabs uh, Jim Dalen's brother with a pitchfork. Yep. Right and, in the arm. Right yeah. His favorite tendon. That never seems to get addressed. No. And then he tries to kill. Um, Martha? Susan? Yeah. No, Susan, Susan was, um, she was the maggot face. Yeah, she, she was, was yeah. Maggot face. Yeah. Martha gets trapped in the, uh, the little crypt. Yeah. And, uh, in this, in this giant deep cave, like, okay. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 the, the, the ending of this movie, uh, there's a huge, like deep cavern in this <laughs> graveyard that's supposed to be a crypt. But it's clearly uh, it's it's like the Bat Cave, you know. It's <laughs> or it's House of the Shire, like yeah. It's yeah. like what? <laughs> it's like, and then you have to you have to go like traverse like a mile deep into the earth to get to this girl's uh, grave, who hasn't decomposed at all, right. and and the clown doll is in there. And another one of the very highly memorable, uh, they have a gas can there. And uh, Paul, he pours gasoline all over the corpse of the girl and the doll. And he throws <laughs> a match in there. And Mike says, if you like, so like if, if you find yourself, basically says, if you find yourself in this situation, you may want to take stock of some of the choices you've made in your life. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and then but, he just, uh, and then he just stands there in this cave over the burning gasoline and bodies and uh, everything else that's happening, like in the house just stops and literally just bloops away. Yeah. So it's like, see, now I could never tell. And they make, and they talk about this in the riff as well. Was it a day for night or like, it has to be because it was dark at the house and it was kind of blue at the graveyard. So it's just, it's got to be just a really bad, which most of them are anyway, but a really bad day for night shot. And, uh, yeah, cause everything just kind of stops. The maggot face monster poofs away. The projection of the little girl and the clown doll kind of poof away. And yeah, Susan leaves and Paul and Martha go back to Boston and, and, and Paul just, gets, gets, gets hit by a bus. Yeah. The end. Or yeah. Yeah, Literally, that's the last thing. It's 
they're they're meeting up and Martha sees the clown doll in this uh like thrift store window and and the clown okay and the clown changes his his face changes to like evil sharpie teeth yep and he changes, he changes the, the do not walk sign to walk and then and then it turns into final destination and Paul gets creamed by this bus and then it's just like ah no there's the bus it'd be like you know, if you had to stop, if you'd kept going and not stopped and looked at the bus, you probably would have been fine. It's kind of like it's kind of like the bus was not moving that fast. <laughs> yeah, it really was. I mean, like, I, well, I, it was it was on city streets in Boston. It couldn't have been moving that fast. Yeah, and uh, look, because just like I, I, I just judge by kind of like I'm, I'm, I'm just going to assume because I know we heard the crash sound effect, right? Yeah, but the. Bus had to have seen him and stopped. Oh yeah, definitely. So I mean, logically, Paul's still alive. <laughs> but this, I mean, I know the movie. I mean, we didn't see him get hit by the bus. This movie has nothing to do with logic, Dave. Yeah. So I guess the doll got him. Yep. But Martha was still alive. Yeah. So at least one person, well, two, because you know we assume that Susan is still alive. But yeah. Survivor Girls. Yeah. But yeah, Ghost House is, oh, this, the effects and how they're handled and just every, every single thing about this movie is, is perfectly, it's that right kind of terrible mm -hmm. where you actually kind of like it. Like I've watched Ghost House Rift countless times. Me too. But I mean, I, I own the DVD of it and the DVD has the movie Unrift. Wow. And really? I've actually watched it on Rift. I need that mess. And got the almost the same level of enjoyment out of it. <laughs> well, a lot of that, though, is because I'm sitting there watching it and I'm remembering the riffs in my head for it as it goes. But... <laughs> Be like, oh, yeah, oh, there's one riff that, that, that I love. It's like one of their, one of their first leaped riffs. Uh, they're talking about the um, police guy who's investigating what's going on. Yeah. Or rather not investigating it <laughs> or telling them to, hey, stop trespassing, you stupid a-holes. You guys are the reason if you hadn't been trespassing, Jim Dalen wouldn't have died. Yeah. You know, but he was the only corpse for a long time. And then the, the detective just leaves. Yeah. It's like, but but like the, the joke was to be like, oh, yeah, his name is Baker, I think. Uh, be like. Paul says, Baker's full of shit. He should be helping little old ladies cross the street. And then Kevin says, like people who are full of shit are supposed to do. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I love that one. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same awesome bleep effect that, that those lines did just now on the podcast. But uh. yeah, but yeah, I know. But this is why you had to go spend the $10 and get ghost house yes. i remember the first time i saw ghost house this was 2012 so that there this was the first it was actually the first vod of 2012 um i think we had gotten a couple other we had gotten captain america and um rise of planet of the apes just prior to this in 2012 it's pretty early it was january or february but i remember getting this one and we had had a bunch of vod's in 2011 we had had buffalo rider we'd had a lot of cornerstone vod's already we had cradle lake monster and a whole a whole bunch of really really good stuff but ghost house i don't know there was just something about it that like i remember watching it and i remember turning it 
Like immediately when it end, immediately when it ended, I started it again, <laughs> and, and I was just like, "This is great." Yeah, this is like what riff tracks. I kind of felt like this is what riff tracks, at its best, at its very best, is. And I just, I've never gotten tired. I've never once gotten tired of Ghost House. Same. Uh, you know, it's it's one that I can constantly go back to. You know, and still just laugh as hard as I did the first time. It's an essential. I mean, it's uh, it, it's also very underrated. You, know, I mean, like we we get callbacks for it. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not heralded like the room or Birdemic. Yeah. Or Miami Connection or Roller Gator or like any of those. You know, <laughs> fun and balloon land, I guess. Um, but like, no, dude. But Ghost House. To understand Ghost House is to understand Rift Tracks. I yeah. Think. If there was a movie, if I had one chance to convert people to Rift Tracks, Ghost House would probably be one of my first choices. Yeah, same. I'll be like, and let's just, yeah. I actually, uh, when I rewatched this yesterday in preparation uh, for, for the podcast today, I actually watched it with my son. <laughs> it was he's watched some riff track stuff with me. He's gone to a few of the live shows and I told him that nothing that he has watched before will prepare him properly for Ghost House and being able to sit there and watch his reaction to the things that I knew were coming and the jokes and it was it was a great experience and that's that's part of the reason why I like Ghost House so much because I always get those reactions from people when I get them to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's hard to get people to watch stuff like this, but like when you do and you can like see like that reaction, I I you know it's it's a thing of beauty. You know, do you want to know what Ghost what Ghost House has going in its favor? No continuous acoustic guitar. Yes, that is very good. No no guitar noodling over ninety seven percent of the film. That's Ghost House. Go buy it if you have never seen it. It is a fantastic one. It is a I would I would put this definitely in my top in my top five, I think. Or at the very least in in the top ten. I don't know how it gets out of the top I mean, like I think putting it at number ten would be putting it very low on the yeah. list, honestly. I think it's definitely, definitely single digits. I think I think the last time I actually tried to do a top ten, Ghost House was ranked number three. Mm-hmm. Um, behind No Retreat, No Surrender, obviously. And another one of our favorites that is actually going to be on our uh, listener poll coming up this week, uh, The Last Slumber Party. Oh, The Last Slumber Party. Oh, I, are, we, are we putting The Last Slumber Party on the poll? Yes, we are, Dave. I just made that decision right now. I was about to say, I mean, we I'll be like, we had a discussion about it. I don't remember The Last Slumber Party, <laughs> but I guess it's on there now. So, hey, it's, guess what? Okay. Yes. Uh, The other two choices for you to vote on will be Little Shop of Horrors and the Carnival of Souls live show. Yeah. Now, the other one that we uh, thought was that I thought was going to be on there was the Apple. But I guess we'll save the Apple for another another time. Yeah. The the Apple will slide in uh, next. The following the following uh, listener poll. Now, this time it will only be on our Twitter 
uh, at TB Riftcast. Okay. Simply because the I've I put it in three locations before. I put it on the Twitter account. I put it in the True Blue group on Facebook, and I also put it in the regular Rift Tracks fan group. Yeah. But the the rate at which that group specifically moves, like there's a new post like constantly you just refresh it and there's like a whole page of new posts and yeah. it's incredibly difficult to keep up with uh because if nobody comments on it or whatever then i don't have like a notification to click on to find it so i'm just going it to, just gets lost yeah it's going to be just on the twitter page uh for the podcast and uh we'll we'll link to it in the uh the true blue group and the regular rift tracks group just so people there can actually vote also. I look forward to seeing which one wins this time. Any of them, again, are are going to be a hoot to discuss and watch again. And, yeah, I think that's going to be it for today. Yep. I'm Jeremy. You can uh, find me at uh, pbandawesome.com. If you want to send me an email, you can do so at uh, jeremy at trueblueriffcast.com. You can also visit us at trueblueriffcast.com, and we've got links for all of the different uh, podcast services which you can find the Riffcast. And also you can follow it on Twitter at tbriffcast. And I'm Dave. And uh, you can check me out at sugarraydodge.com, and you can uh, send me emails at dave at trueblueriffcast.com. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye, Emmy Connection. Bye.